Man, I can't believe I'm doing this. It's my first time preaching in New Philly, and I'm really excited. And I'm telling you tonight, New Philly, I got a word for you. Yeah. Before I get into the word, though, you know, it's been a little over a year since I actually came here. It's already been one year. I came last October uh, 19th. 20, no, no, it was not. Oh, we left tonight. Okay, okay. Emily and I arrived, Emily and I arrived the same time, but we were on different, different flights. But yeah, it's been a little over a year, and man, time just flies. Time flies so fast. And, you know, especially living in a city like Seoul, you know, like a metropolitan city where everything's so fast-paced, everyone's so, you know, pali pali, everyone's moving somewhere, A to B, and it may feel like there's not enough hours in the day, right? And time just flies by. And tonight I'm going to preach about what God's been just, yeah, speaking to me. Especially living in a place like Korea where I'm going to preach about rest tonight. Yeah. So the word rest in the, uh, in the Hebrew, it's Shabbat, which is, it means rest or it also means Sabbath, which we know, right? The seventh day, the Sabbath, right? And according to my boy, uh, Daniel Webster, the man who wrote the <laughs> dictionary. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Webster's definition of rest. My boy's definition says, to cease work or movement. Man, my voice is so hoarse right now. I was just praising God so much. But anyways, um, to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. It could also mean a bodily state characterized by minimal functional and metabolic activities. And I didn't know what metabolic meant, so I looked that up. <laughs> and that meant <clears throat> the, the chemical processes, or as you Kiwi Aussie people would say, processes, that occur within a living organism in order to maintain life. So in other words, rest is just ceasing what you're doing. You know, just stopping what you're doing and as it says, maintaining life, it's, it's doing the least amount of work or, you know, activity to maintain your life. You know, it's metabolically chilling, kind of, you know? And it's just really resting, stopping what you're doing. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, this is what I think of, too, when I think of rest. You know, when I know I got a day off, when I know, uh, you know, class got canceled, you know, I just want to go home, I just want to chill, I want to do the bare minimum, I want to I vegetate, you know, I want to go on Facebook, maybe watch... Uh, Watch a movie I haven't seen in a while. Catch up on a TV show. I just want to, you know, just chill. Metabolically chill, right? And you know what's funny, though? A lot of believers today, we have this unbiblical definition of rest. So let's turn our Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to get holy now. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. It's the first book of the Bible. All right. So it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It says God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. He consecrated. He set it apart. And if you look a little earlier in chapter 1, verses 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. That means after God created you know, the, the light. He said, let there be light. 
He saw that it was good. After he created light, after he created the stars and the heavens, after he created, you know, galaxies, planets, after he created the waters and parted it and made land, after he made the living creatures, after he made Adam and Eve, after he made all of this, he said that it was very good. He took a step back and he looked at what he made and he said it was very good. So when Jesus rested, it didn't mean he just ceased from his labor. It meant he stopped and he enjoyed what he had made. So what does this mean for us? I'll tell you what rest doesn't mean for us. It doesn't mean we just stop what we're doing and, again, metabolically chill. All right? It doesn't mean we just stop what we're doing and kind of just take a physical break and leave it at that. When we find our rest in him, we need to stop to enjoy God. We need to stop to enjoy his creation, and we need to stop to enjoy the fruits of our labor. You know, we just prayed about all these testimonies we've been hearing, right? It's on uh, Cass's, you know, Facebook feed. We keep seeing all these healing testimonies. And Mace, you guys have been experiencing some awesome things. I know there's like a dozen testimonies last JPM. There's all these amazing testimonies of God's goodness, right? That means when we rest in God, we take a step back and we think about those times. We enjoy what God has done. We enjoy the fruits of his labor. So the whole point, the destination of a Sabbath, the main goal is this. It's joy. It's joy in what the Lord has done. It's joy in what God has done. I'm going to say it one more time. The whole point, the destiny, the main goal of Sabbath is joy in what the Lord has done. Tell your neighbor, rest is joy in what the Lord has done. Uh, let's turn to Exodus chapter 31, verses 13. I'm going to go over two consequences of what happens when we don't rest in the Lord. Exodus chapter 31, verses 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. Right. So it says, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You ever have a friend, you, uh, a close friend you grew up with in? whether it's elementary school or high school, someone you're really close with. And maybe when you went to college, you guys went to different colleges, or now that you're living in Korea now and you've been here for a while, you just haven't seen that friend in a long time. What happens when you see that friend? It's, it's just not the same, right? Sometimes when you see that friend and you thought you knew that person, but man, so much has changed because it's been, you know, five years, maybe a decade, you know? And what you knew about yourself from that friend, it, it may be different too, just because it's been such a long time. And in the same way, when we don't observe the Sabbath, we forget who God is. And we forget that it is the Lord, our God, that makes us holy. We forget we're holy, and we forget we're holy because it is the Lord, our God. And also it says here that there's a, it's a sign. It says this will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. When we observe the Sabbath, when we take our rest in him, we're going to look different from the rest of this world. The whole world around us, everyone around you, they're restless, they're wandering, they're tired. Why do you look the same? And we're not, we're supposed to be a different generation. We're supposed to be marked and we're supposed to be a people of rest, God's people of rest. So the second, oh yeah, say, let me wrap that up. So when we don't, a consequence of not resting is we forget who the Lord our God is and that he is the one that makes us holy. That's the first consequence. Second consequence, it's in Deuteronomy 
chapter 5, verses 15. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 15. It's going to be a good one right here. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Isn't it interesting how God ties the Sabbath to freedom? You know, God, it says God liberated his people. He delivered them with his mighty hand and his outstretched arm, right? He delivered the, Egypt, uh, the slaves from Egypt. And then he says, therefore, I command you to observe the Sabbath. Therefore, I command you to rest in me. And what does this mean for us? It means anyone who can't rest from labor is a slave. When you don't find your rest in God, you move from sonship to slavery. And this work, it's not just your, it's not limited to your nine to five job. Or I know a lot of you guys work at Korean companies, so it's like nine to nine job. And I just release blessings and peace over all you guys now. I don't know how you do it. But yeah, it's not li- limited to our regular nine to f- nine job, okay? It could mean rest from even our exploitative labor sometimes, our employers sometimes. It could mean, you know, even parental expectations. It could mean even a need for uh, a success. You know, whether it's personal or ministry, we need to rest from these things too. Certain goals we make, certain expectations we have, whether it's from us or our parents. Wherever it is, it's not limited to just the nine to nine. It's limited to, or it, it goes beyond that too. And if you fail to find rest, Hear me out, Nephilim. If you fail to find rest from these slave masters of work, of employers, of even your own need for success, they're going to abuse you. You're going to be abused if you fail to find your rest. So again, when you don't rest, and number one, it's disobedience. God commands us to observe the Sabbath. God commands us to rest in him. Number one, it's disobedience. But again, when you don't rest in God, you go from sonship to slavery. Tell your neighbor, Sabbath is a declaration of freedom. So yeah, the second consequence when we fail to rest in God is, yeah, we move from sonship to slavery. So, yeah, right now you may be asking, uh, you know, what does it mean then resting in God? Now, I'm, I'm talking about it a lot and does it mean, you know, you got to read the Bible more? Does it mean you got to pray? Does it mean you got to go to K1? Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all these things. And, yo, especially K1, go to K1. All right? That's the place you're going to find rest in God at, all right? That's the place where the presence of God is thick and heavy. People are just worshiping. You just go in and, you know, you just feel the presence of God. Find your rest there. These are... Definitely, uh, yeah, ways you could find your rest in God. But I want to, I guess, shed another light to what it means to rest in God. All right, so you can go to Mark chapter 6 if you want. But right here, it's uh, the, whole, the whole context of this chapter is Jesus tells his disciples, go do everything I commanded you to do. They go out. They're like casting out demons. They're healing people. They're preaching the, that the kingdom of God is here. They're doing all these things. Disciples come back to Jesus. They're telling him all these things. And, and then Jesus says, hey, we got to, let's go on this boat. 
we got to chill on this boat. We got to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And it says they're so busy that they had nothing to eat. And at the same time, uh, right when they get on the boat, all the followers of Jesus, they're like, oh, snap, that's Jesus. That's Jesus on a boat. And then I don't know how they do it, but they run across or run around the Sea of Galilee. They get to the other side of the sea before Jesus and his disciples get there on a boat. Man, and there there's some fast followers of Jesus, right? And, and then what happens? They get off the boat. Oh, right, but even uh, before they arrive, you know, this is, the, uh, this is what I want to talk about tonight. It's in verse 31 of Mark chapter 6. It says, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Jesus tells that to his disciples. They get on the boat. They get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's only to meet like 5,000 people waiting for him. And what happens? Jesus gets out. He starts teaching. He starts preaching. And, uh, you know, the day is just uh, going. And then disciples are like, Jesus, we've got to send these people home. They're going to they're gonna collapse. You know, they haven't eaten anything all day. And then what? Jesus has compassion. And then, you know, breaks the, the five loaves of bread, two, you know, two fish. And what? Feeds the 5,000 or, or the 15,000, actually, with, um, you know, women and, and children, right? But... What I want to emphasize is, this is, what, this is what really happened on the side, at least, where Jesus, his disciples, and his followers, they didn't eat anything all day. And it was because they were either resting, they were running to catch Jesus on the other side of the lake, or they were simply learning at the feet of Jesus. You ever been so busy you skip a meal? I, I, don't, know how, I don't know how that feels. I, I can't skip a meal, so... <laughs> I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you guys know, though. So, you know, I've, I've, no, I always got to eat, man, no matter how busy it is. Even back in the States, man, I'll, I'll drive with my, you know, McDonald's or, like, I, I eat, like, spaghetti in the car while I'm driving sometimes. Y'all don't even know about that, right? Anyways, I've heard people uh, get really busy, especially during midterms times or a uh, really busy season of their life where they skip meals. And again, I don't know what that feels like, but <laughs> what I want to ask you, New Philly, is when's the last time you've been so filled that you forgot to eat just because you're at the feet of Jesus? Just because you're resting in Jesus so much that you forgot to eat a meal? Where's Pastor Daniels at? <laughs> right? For those of you who don't know, Pastor Daniels, he's the spiritual father of Pastor Benjamin and uh, this holy, holy man of God. <laughs> Pastor Benjamin was sharing with us where... His wife, uh, what's her name? Diane, Diane. Yeah, Pastor Daniel's wife, Diane, confronted Pastor Daniel and was like, honey, you know you haven't eaten for a couple days. And he just says, oh, I've just been so filled <laughs> with revelation and, and the goodness of God. And no, son, you know, he just, he's just so filled with the revelation of God that he forgot to eat. The man forgot to eat because he's so filled at just being at the feet of Jesus. And hey, if Pastor Daniels, if his ceiling is Pastor Benjamin's floor, and Pastor Benjamin's ceiling, Pastor Christian's floor, and Pastor Christian's ceiling are floor, how come we don't see this more often in the lineage? How come we don't see more people on fire for God or so filled with the presence of God because they're just resting at the feet of Jesus? And I want to ask you, if, if you haven't felt this yet, then do you wish to be captivated? captivated by Jesus so much 
you're just so satisfied that you're, you're able to skip some meals. I'm not telling you to skip meals. You know, that's not my message. But I'm telling you, do you want to be captivated by Jesus? Do you want to be filled with him simply by resting at his feet? So now I'm going to present uh, one secret in resting in God. All right. So write this down. It's going to be good. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, 15 to 17. If you're there, say amen. amen. You're just saying amen because I, I keep hearing pages flipping over. But <laughs> all right, anyways. <laughs> it says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to emphasize two parts right here. Making the best use of the time and days are evil. In the, in the King James Version, it says, instead of uh, making the best use of the time, it says the word redeeming time. And this word redeem, it could be used in uh, the context of a commercial marketplace, as in, let's make a killing in this, in this marketplace. Let's uh, spend it so wisely and strategically that the returns are many times more than the initial investment. In other words, Paul is saying, make a killing of the time that you have. Milk it for everything that you have. Don't just make the best use of it. But, you know, it's just like uh, Apple, right, with, with the iPad coming out. And they just made an iPad mini. They're trying to milk it for everything they can. You know, they're trying to make the best of it. They're trying to make a killing. And I'm, I'm constrained by the Father's heart, so I'm going to stop now. But um, second part is days are evil. All right, look at days are evil. And when Paul writes days are evil, he doesn't simply mean that the readers were living in some bad times. It meant actually a, a kairos time. You know, talking about kairos, it meant a, a set time. And it was talking about the time in between the first and the second coming of Christ, a.k.a. the days that we are living in today. So this is just as appropriate as it was for Paul's readers, you know, in uh, whenever he wrote it, <laughs> or today, 2012. Man, I should know this church history. Man. Um, you know, that's why believers are solemnly urged to know the will of the Lord. They're solemnly urged to know what the will of the Lord is and to not waste time. The one, one of the secrets in resting in God is time management. It's simple. And I'm going to give you one practical way in, in making uh, better use of your time. It's, it's another simple one, too. Just find rest in God during your commute. As you're commuting, find rest in God. You know, we had Pastor John speak at our uh, large group a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about the presence of God and how we should, we're supposed to be a people of God's presence. We shouldn't go anywhere like Moses unless we had the presence of God, you know, had that kind of heart. And he was saying he met God in the most sweet and powerful ways while he was commuting, you know. And, and Pastor John was just saying, you, know, you ever been lost in a subway just because, you know, the presence of God just comes so powerfully. And, you know, he, he said he got lost in the chiatra, uh, in the subway, because he was just so caught up in the presence of God. So I just want to share uh, some of my powerful, I guess, times of uh, commuting and finding the presence of God and finding my rest in God. And uh, you guys know, a lot of you know that I was in Japan for a year before I came out here. I was with Campus Crusade for Christ. I was doing a one-year uh, 
missions with them. I was doing college ministry in uh, Tokyo. And I learned a lot of things. It was really good. Uh, but one thing I could really take from that time is the beginning of David On's biking adventures. Okay? <laughs> That's when I started biking a lot. And, uh, you know, I'll just explore Tokyo, get lost. Everything looks the same because there's convenience stores everywhere. And, you know, I just get lost. But, you know, it was really fun. And um, the one campus we went to, Waseda campus, uh, it was about three or four uh, times a week we'd go there. And it's like a 12 or 15-mile bike ride. I'll just go there for an hour straight uh, and then an hour back, right? What did I do during these commuting times? I listened to New Philly podcasts, right? And this was uh, right after our church-wide retreat, encounter retreat, where Pastor Benjamin first spoke. And, you know, I, I honestly thought I'd never come back here. But or I, I didn't know at the, at the time, at least. And I was uh, contemplating what to do. But, you know, I was listening to New Philly podcasts. I was hearing sermons on, you know, don't go out naked, you know, go in the covering and uh, speaking a language of faithfulness. I heard sermons about sonship and just, you know, bearing witness with all this. I remember hearing uh, the testimonies of pastors Myungwa and Marcus, and it was so weird because I felt like I knew them before I came here. <laughs> I felt like, I, I was like, you know, yo, Marcus, we're already buddies, but yeah, it, it, yeah anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we are like that now, but now I remember times uh, listening to Pastor Christian's jokes about Philly, cracking up and agreeing with them because they're so true, and you know, I just remember... Yeah, listening a lot to these sermons, but I also remember being led to simply just pray and cry out to God and being so moved, bearing witness. Like, I remember Pastor Christian saying things like, you know, God's raising up a generation right now who's saying there must be more than this. They want something more than this. And I'm just like, yeah, hallelujah. You know, I'm on my bike, mind you, and I'm just riding down in Tokyo, the streets of Tokyo. And I remember being just led to pray and cry out to God. I remember times being led to just simply stop listening to the sermon and just start putting some worship music on. Just worshiping God, crying out, hallelujah, Jesus reigns in this place. And again, I'll be, you know, hallelujah, Asuima said, and then, you know, just, just going down, you know, you're biking mad fast, just worshiping God in powerful ways. Well, I'll be crying like crazy, and I didn't care what I looked like because, man, I was at the feet of Jesus. You know, I was making a killing of the time I had to commute. I was making the best use of it. I'm going to read this quote by a man named Brother Lawrence. Anyone know Brother Lawrence? Raise your hand up. All right. You guys are really good Christians. So, (laughs) Brother Lawrence, for those of you who don't know him, he was a lay brother in a French monastery in the 17th century. Okay? And he... uh, he served in a really low position. He worked in a kitchen all day and all night. And he would just cook and clean all the time. But so many people were, were just drawn to this man of God. And number one, it was because of his character. They saw something different in him. But what also drew people to him was the intimacy he carried with Jesus. And, you know, his wisdom that he just conveyed in his conversations and, and letters, it eventually became this book called uh, The Pre- Practice of the Presence of God. And I've been hearing a lot about this book, and it's on my to-do list, on my book list. But, you know, I've been hearing it from professors. Even when I went to Living Hope, I remember talking to Del Augusta, and he mentioned it too. And, like, yeah, I've been hearing it a lot. And, and it's just such a uh, good book where 
yeah, it had such influence. It influenced, yeah, people today. It also influenced great leaders like John Wesley, A.W. Tozer, you, you know these people, right? And this man had such a, a sweet intimacy with him. And I'm just going to read this quote. It says, The time of busyness does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. He's saying no matter how crazy it gets in this kitchen, people are yelling and saying, hey, we need this order, and there's pots and pans, you know, clanking and all this. No matter how crazy it gets, no matter how many people are barking orders, he's saying, I possess God in his great tranquility, as if I was at my secret place, you know, in my room with the door closed behind me. I'm on my knees. I, I feel God's intimacy. I feel God's presence. The same way. It doesn't matter where I am. And why am I preaching about rest? Number one, it's a commandment. But there's something that comes from rest. And I know for many of us, our schedules don't really allow us to have a, a Sabbath, maybe a full day, full night Sabbath on a weekly basis. Uh, I, don't, I don't have one anymore, but what does that mean? I, I stop resting? Of course not. You know, and I know for some of you, it may even be interrupted, your rest. And if you go to Mark chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples were on a boat. And all of a sudden, a violent squall or a windstorm came. Mark uh, chapter 4. And this is, again, the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee was known for these sudden, violent windstorms. It had a lot of hot, humid air in the sea. And then the, this cold wind that would come from the Mediterranean, the mountains, would just come onto the sea. And once they met, these storms just came out of nowhere, you know? And... Yeah, as the storm came about, you know, waves are just crashing on. Disciples are freaking out. They're thinking it's, it's about to be Titanic, you know. And it's just uh, a sudden violent storm, right? And you know what's funny? During this whole time, you know what Jesus is doing? He's at the stern resting, it says. He's just resting in the middle of a storm. I will be still and know you. You know, no matter what, the, what kind of waves come crashing, you know, he was just still, he was just resting. That wasn't planned. But, um, so yeah, what happens? Jesus is sleeping in the stern. The disciples come, they wake him, and they say, Jesus, Jesus, do you not care that we are not perishing? And what happens? Jesus wakes up. You know, he just walks onto the, onto the deck. It says he rebukes the wind, and he tells the seas, peace be still. The wind ceases, and then a, a great calm just came. And whether Jesus had some rest during a short commute or he had an interrupted one, one thing was certain whenever Jesus rested. The kingdom of God always followed. After his rest during his commute, he fed the 5,000. After an interrupted one on a boat, he brought peace. He saved everyone's life on that boat, mind you. One thing was certain whenever Jesus rested. The kingdom of God came. That's why I'm preaching this tonight. You know, I've been living with Pastor Marcus for almost a year now, and Pastor Joel just moved in. Yeah, she be that she. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Po Wang Dong, yeah. So, yeah, I've been living there for a while now, and uh, we have these neighbors upstairs. And, uh, yeah, they, they need some Jesus, really. Because, yeah, I remember when I first moved out, it hasn't happened recently, but 
Uh, actually, no, it happened this summer and, and I think a couple months before. But yeah, there's this one couple upstairs. And they're just, man, they have this uh, real, they just fight a lot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let, me just, let me just say it. They fight, but it's not even like your regular fight, you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. No, it's like they violently fight. Like they scream at the top of their lungs kind of fighting. And yeah, I've, I've woken up so many times, like three or four in the morning, hearing them screaming at the top of their lungs. And I, even once I woke up at, it was like, yeah, three in the morning. And the, the wife was just silently like cursing at the, at the husband and condemning him and all of a sudden I just wake up from the stuff and I don't know how Mark is. I don't know how you stay, stay asleep, man. You sleep like a, like a rock, but you got to bless me with that. Um, but, you know, when, when this happens, and it happens often, I have a couple options. One is I could yell at them in Korean and tell them, what time is it? What are you doing? You know, you know tell them to shut up in Korean, right? I could yell at them back. Another option is I could just put some earplugs in, just go back to sleep, right? Close my window. Another option is I could get on my knees and pray. And you know, I've done that a lot of times. And some nights, you know, it, it was like really fast right away. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I'll go back to sleep. I'm, just, I'm exhausted, right? And, and I'm just asking God, bring your kingdom. I release peace in Jesus' name. And other nights, it felt like the longest hour or two of my life. You know, fighting wouldn't stop. And I share this because even right now, you may feel restless at times. You know, you may feel restless because your rest may have been cut short. But even when Jesus, his rest may have seemed interrupted, it was enough to bring the kingdom of God wherever he went. Although Jesus' rest may have seemed interrupted, it was enough to bring the kingdom of God wherever he went. There's this uh, spiritual formation class that Emily and I have. I think it's her favorite class, and <laughs> and uh, I think Pastor Christian mentioned this uh, recently, where a lot of seminaries are having like a Christian formation class or a spiritual formation class, where uh, you know so many students are graduating from seminary and they don't really cultivate uh, a place of rest and, and intimacy with God, and they'll just graduate. So seminaries are creating these classes to pretty much make sure you're doing your QT. That's what it is. So this class will go; it's bi-weekly. The Dr. Lee, he'll just preach, or, or not preach, he'll teach on something related with quiet times and, and uh, yeah, different uh, leaders and stuff like that. And the second half of the class is he tells us to close our eyes and he says, take deep breaths. That's how he says it. <laughs> and then he'll, uh, he'll randomly open up to a psalm. And he just reads it to us. I'm not going to lie, a lot of people sleep during that time. But, you know, he, he, we usually do this during this class, right? But this week is different. Thank you, Jesus. We went on a nature walk. So we went to, um, was it Yangjichan, right? Yeah, it's like right near our school, a little park. And he told us for 30 minutes, we got to walk around this park or, or take a seat, go somewhere. And we just got to observe nature. And we're not allowed to go on our phones. We're not allowed to even read the Bible. We're not allowed to talk to each other. We just got to observe nature, right? See what God's trying to teach us through this. And when I first heard it, I mean, I, I was happy I was out there, but, you know, the first five minutes was good. 
And after, it's kind of like, like, I'm the type of person that needs to do something. Even, you know, when I'm in class during the daytime and I go to Mace at night, like, I'm studying my Hebrew cards on the bus. Or, like, I feel like I got to always utilize my time. I got to, you know, do something. I can't just sit down and, and be still, right? And so I'm really happy that we had this nature walk, especially because God was putting rest on my heart. And I feel like it was just another confirmation of him saying, yeah, this is what I want you to preach, and this is what I'm teaching you right now. And we're doing it, and... Yo, it was awesome. <laughs> it was so nice. And man, God just started uh, just doing something in me. And I was asking God, what do you want me to, what, what are you doing here, Lord? You know, what are you doing here in this, in this forest? What are you doing here on this bench? And I'm just sitting here like, you know, just trying to, trying to see what God's trying to teach me. And then I felt a small whisper. You know, God speaks in the whisper, right? And he was just saying, shut up, David. <laughs> I was like, and and I, he was just saying what I'm saying right now he was just saying enjoy my creation enjoy what I'm what I made and then I I started uh, looking at the trees different man yeah, the leaves they were like a beautiful green and yellow and the, the way the light reflected off I was like man that's that's beautiful and then, and over here, I see a little bird, a little blue bird, and it's like looking for food, and it's, I go near, and it's kind of going away, but it's like, oh my gosh, that, that's beautiful. And yo, I saw a pigeon, and pigeons are nasty, they're just flying rats. But I saw a pigeon, and I was, and, and you know, it's going like this, right? And, but, and that, when I saw it, the, the neck, right, there's this greenish tint, and I was like, I never saw that before, what is that? I'm like, yo, God, I see your beauty in everything. Man. And I'm going to have to call out uh, my sister Rona. You know, I work, I work with her a lot in Emmaus. We see each other a lot. And I forget where it was, but she was trying to convince me for a good, like, five minutes to hug a tree. <laughs> and I, you know, she had all these points, but I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I was like, I don't want to get my clothes dirty. And then she tried to say, like, the tree was cleaner than me or something. <laughs> anyways, anyways, anyways. Uh, so, Rona, you're gonna, I told you this, but you... I hugged the tree, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, but it wasn't like a full embrace. You know, it was like, it was like that Christian side hug tree, you know? <laughs> And it wasn't that big. I just kind of, you know, and it felt exactly the way I thought it was going to feel. Um, that's, that's not my point. But during this nature walk, where God is just like wooing me, that's what it was. He was wooing me. I came to this one part of the forest. And there's all these different uh, trees. And for some reason, there's one tree in the middle. And... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's this one tree in the middle, and it was dying. I don't know why it was dying. Like, the bark was coming off. It was all dry and crusty. It was ha- more than half the leaves were gone. And even the leaves that were there were all browning. And I was like, why is this tree dying? All the trees next to it, it's all lush green. There's, like, berries and stuff on it. There's fruit. It's just super healthy. And this one 
decaying tree from like Nightmare Before Christmas looking tree, right? And then I started to look at the roots. And the roots of this tree, they were all like coming out of the ground. They were exposed. They weren't that deep. I look at the trees next to it, the, the lush, green, healthy ones. The roots are real deep. And I felt like when I was seeing this, God was just telling me, you know, he wants our rest in him to be that deep. You know, that it's sometimes hidden. The reason the tree was strong and green was because of the deep, hidden roots. And in that same way, God wants our rest in him again to be so deep that it's sometimes hidden. You know, it's from the roots to the fruits, right? We can only be a tree planted by the streams of water when our, when our roots are deep, when they're by that stream of living water, right? And just like the roots that ran so deep, they were hidden. If you want to advance the kingdom of God, you need a rest in him so deep that you're in a hidden place. New Philly, I want to wrap it up with this. This is my point to you tonight. We're in a Solomonic season, amen? We're in a Solomonic season of building. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you can only build from a place of rest. You can only advance the kingdom of God from a place of rest. You can't do it beat up. You can't do it worn out. You can't do it tired. You can only do it from a place of rest. You got to be satisfied at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, let's just uh, close our eyes right now. Yeah, I feel like there's some of you that this is the message you needed to hear. This is exactly what you needed to hear. And maybe some of you are struggling with the spirit of restlessness. Whether it's you actually trying to, actually finding time to rest and not being able to do it, you have this uneasiness. Or even if it's you literally not getting physical rest, insomnia or something like that. If there's some kind of restlessness in you, and if tonight, yeah, these words were just speaking to you, I want you to to stand up. If you've been struggling with restlessness, stand up. I'm just going to read this verse. You know, the, I, I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, he said, come, Jesus says to his disciples, come to, come to me, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and find rest. And the same word rest, it's used in another gospel where Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus says yoke, yoke was never meant to just be a one-person thing. Whenever farmers used yoke, they had two oxen on it. And when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he's saying, you're not alone. You're not carrying this yoke by yourself. I am with you, and it is easy. 
And if you've been just struggling with the spirit of restlessness, I'm telling you right now, it's not a spirit of Christ, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. And I also feel like, especially you small group leaders that are standing up right now, you know, we are a prophetic people. And when you're feeling this restlessness, a lot of times it's not just for you. It may be for your disciples, it may be for your family, your loved ones, it may be for the people that are around you. So right now, let's just pray in one voice to break off the spirit of restlessness. And let's claim the promise that the yoke is easy. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's claim that promise right now.